I'm Kathleen Durkin of Columbia's Zuckerman Institute. And I'm Devin Powell of the Zuckerman Institute. Welcome to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus, where we explore how scientists are pivoting to tackle COVID-19. So a few episodes ago, we met Larry Shapiro. He was a researcher hoping to create a new COVID treatment using antibodies collected from people who had recovered from the virus. Today, we're sitting down with his longtime collaborator, Barry Honig. He's a biophysical chemist who is working on pushing antibodies to the next level. Barry is a principal investigator at Columbia's Zuckerman Institute, and he's an expert on how individual cells stick together properly when growing. How cells in our heart, for instance, know to attach to other cells in the heart and not to, say, liver cells. How two cells in our own bodies would recognize each other. Barry studies proteins that help cells recognize each other. They have proteins on the surface of the cells. We call them cell surface proteins. And when they see one that it likes to bind to, then the cells come together. He's discovered that cells in our brain have patterns of proteins that give them unique identities, like letters on a car's license plate or barcodes on groceries. This helps growing neurons form proper connections called synapses. Neurons have to recognize who to form synapses with, who not to form synapses with. Every neuron has a unique identity, and we reveal the barcoding mechanism for vertebrate neurons. So what does this have to do with COVID? So that sounds very remote from viruses. It is, except you can argue that the recognition in the brain is related to the recognition in COVID. The fundamental notion of recognition, of cells recognizing because proteins recognize and bind together, is the unifying principle. When viruses infect cells, they must penetrate the cell. And the way they get inside, the viral protein, for COVID it's called the spike protein, binds to this protein X on the surface of a cell, of a human cell, and once they stick together, they literally stick, it's, it's like a lock and a key, the shape of one fits into the other. Then that initiates a process that lets the entire virus enter the cell. Barry just got a grant from the Gates Foundation to look for a treatment. He wants to use antibody proteins to interfere with the proteins on the surface of COVID that allow the viruses to stick to human cells. That's the basic goal of what we're talking about, is to use antibodies to attack viruses. Similar antibody treatments have been developed for AIDS. So there's a series of antibodies, proteins that basically can be used as, as drugs effectively. They bind to a viral protein. In the case of, of AIDS, uh, they, they bind to GP120, which is responsible for entering the cell. And because they bind to it, they don't let it bind to its human target, and it stops the protein from entering the cell. Similarly, with, with COVID, Regeneron has proteins that bind to the spike protein of COVID. And once the, the Regeneron protein binds, then the spike protein can enter the cell. So this is not for vaccine, it's, it's for treatment, basically. Like baby-proofing an electrical socket by plugging it with a plastic guard, a tightly fitting antibody protein renders the virus less dangerous. The trouble is that it doesn't bind tightly enough. It isn't effective enough when injected from the outside. 
So what you want is to design a protein that binds more effectively. What mutations can I make to make it bind better? Designing antibody proteins that interfere with COVID starts with using computers to predict what happens when you change the structure of these proteins, when you mutate them. Instead of randomly trying to make mutant proteins, say, does this one stick? Does this one stick? We first use computational tools to say, this is a good idea, that's a bad idea, this, at least on the computer, works well. And then we go to the experiment and see if we were right. The underlying rationale for this really comes from the chemistry department. And what we'll do is synthesize those mutant proteins in our lab, test experimentally whether we've actually succeeded in making them bind better, and then go back to the computation. So it's a tight feedback loop between computation and experiment. Another branch of Barry's research compares the proteins made by viruses to the proteins that exist inside human cells. The goal here is to better understand how viruses take control of our cells once inside. For viruses to be effective, they somehow must disrupt human function in some way. Barry discovered that the most effective and most dangerous viral proteins mimic the shapes of human proteins. By looking like them, by confusing the system, if you will. You see, if it looks like it, maybe it does what the human protein is doing. Maybe it does it a little better. So the human protein doesn't get to do its thing anymore. Barry's colleague at Columbia University Irving Medical Center, Sagi Shapira, took the research one step further. He noticed that many of the human proteins being mimicked were related to blood coagulation. So he looked at whether people who had macular degeneration, which is a disease associated with leaky blood vessels in the eye, had worse outcomes from COVID. So they actually tested whether the outcome of people with macular degeneration was worse or better than people that didn't have, than most people. And there was a remarkable correlation. If you have macular degeneration, you should definitely not get COVID because your probability of being intubated and dying goes way, way up. So that was an observation that came from this purely theoretical observation that in our paper about the relationship, about the mimicry of proteins involved in this process. So over the years, studying proteins has led Barry to investigate everything from color vision to cancer. I'm basically what you'd call a theoretician. And I'm not an experimental scientist. I, I like to read other people's experiments, but I always wanted to look at for general principles in biology. Are there general laws, maybe not laws of physics, but are there general principles of how things work? That's what re really always interested me. And therefore, it's very easy for me to go from one problem to another because I see the connections. That's, that's sort of what I do. Thanks for listening to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus. Take a look at the show notes for links to all of the things we discussed. You can find all of our episodes at zuckermaninstitute.columbia.edu or on iTunes. Take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us. A special thanks to Professor Barry Honig for sitting down with us for this episode and to the entire Zuckerman team. The music, as always, was provided by Miguel Zanon, jazz artist-in-residence at the Zuckerman Institute. If you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ZuckermanBrain. 
And now it's time, as always, for Kathleen's last question. What is the first thing you plan to do post-pandemic? Have a hell of a meal somewhere, probably. (laughs) 